Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here in the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Ioan Cap. And I'm Patrick, a.k.a. Hef Jark. <laughs> yes, uh, as everyone watching the video already noticed and everyone listening just now noticed, that's not Jeff Park. That is that is some mysterious new person. Uh, you're you're used to hearing from him, but not from him directly. But I feel like I was here a year ago, but I feel like I was also here just yesterday. <laughs> Both are true. Both are true. For more pre-show banter, check out Preambling Ten, Holy Flying Luther's Batman. Otherwise, you're welcome for cutting the fat. All right, so. <clears throat> we are looking at um, more of the book of Judges. Um, it seems like that's that's a, a common theme with you, Patrick. You just want to talk about judges all the time. Um, well, at first, I just wanted you, you guys to talk about hacking up prostitutes. And and I mean, that that really was it. But yeah, let's stay in Judges. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we... Um, this time, um, less prostitutes dying and a little bit more um, uh, just kind of general killing. Um, but but we, you wanted to get into this story, and it's a good story to get into from both a perspective of just generally it's a good story to read, <clears throat> but especially as an anarchistic stu a study of, of anarchists. And... Um, and really the judges as a whole, I've kind of talked about this a lot. We talked about it on, on the episode where we talked about, um, which where we answered your question, um, in, uh, the end of the book of judges. I also talked a little bit about that, um, with, um, Jacob of the Daniel three podcast. Um, when my internet made me look grainy and horrible, but, uh, I'm told the audio is good. So you can go check that out. It was a good um, episode. I've got it linked on our, our YouTube channel. Uh, um, we have an ABS on other shows um, uh, playlist you can check out there. <clears throat> um, but but it's a it's a good book to talk about as anarchists because for one thing, this usually becomes kind of the weapon against the anarchist uh, Christian is is like, well, judges is what you get with anarchy. And, um, on that, on that episode with, with Jacob, one of the things I was able to talk about something that I've, I've been thinking about for a while, but I hadn't really been able to talk about with anyone is like, well, you'll notice that sure there is this cycle of, of judge comes to rescue Israel. There are good times. And then that good times, eventually they turn away from the Lord and that leads to bad times. But I brought up like, Hey, in the midst of the good times, like in particular at the end of this story, there's 70 years of peace. Right. When's, when's the last nation you found that's had 70 years of peace? I mean, for, <laughs> for all of your, the, the vaunted anarchism causes chaos that we see in this man, 70 years of peace sounds pretty good. Like that's, let's, that's not a thing to, to snuff at. Like, in fact, I would say, if we're to judge Saul, uh, 1 Samuel 8 rightly, or, or rightly interpret that, there's a sense in which judges is what Israel was meant to be all along. Now, meant to be from the perspective of 
<clears throat> of uh, <laughs> Iowans take grainy as a compliment. Yes, Jeff, it's true. Um, uh, but, but like, meant in the sense of preceptive will, that God's preceptive will was for them to have kings or judges that would rise up when necessary. That when there's time of necessity for them to rise up and lead the people, they would do so. Otherwise, it was a a patriarchal family-based society where the families would kind of all look up to the elders in that family, and the and and of course the Levites would be dispersed throughout the tribes to to remind them of of the law of God. <clears throat> now, meant in the sense of a decretive will, of course, God meant for Israel to sin against him by calling for a king. And he meant that to lead to the king after his own heart, David, who was the lesser Christ um, and the greater of Christ would come much, much, much later. And he will reign on his throne forever and ever. The only perfect king in all history, but uh, no, Josh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to stop you there. If you would have given a crown to Samson and made him a king, Everything would would be perfect. There would be no pain in the world. Everything would just be fine. There, there's there cannot be corruption with a king. There, the, the the consolidation of power of these very important and and almost perfect people would 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 not be able to be used against the people that they rule over. There's no way. Yeah, absolutely. That could happen with with that You're crown. Right. I repent so, from dust and ashes. Um. Of course, they never had 70 years of peace in the monarchy. And I'll just point that I mean, out. We're a nation almost 300 years, and we haven't had it yet. No, no, we have not. But let's let's get into this passage. And so I, I think it's going to be, as is our way with, with the judges, by which I mean we did it once. We're going to take more of the longer story form instead of take, breaking it up into smaller verses. Um, partly because we don't have six hours to do this. Um, uh, but mostly because that's really not the way you read narrative narrative needs to be read in a different way than, um, than, uh, epistles. So, um, (laughs) that's right, Jeff. If we just made Trump a King, he would have built the wall and made America great again. That's right. (laughs) Stop this. St- no, I can't say that. We'll, we'll get kicked off. Um, <laughs> Definitely get kicked off. <laughs> just kidding, NSA. Just kidding. Uh, I, for one, am glad that we have the rightful president, Joe Biden, the most popular president in history. Um, but is he duly elected, Josh? Yes. Yes, <laughs> he is. There is no reason to doubt the free and fair election. The, the freest and fairest of them all. Freest <laughs> and fairest. I'm sorry for not for not rising up to the occasion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he only said it was free and fair. Ban him. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so okay. Let's let's read the first. We'll, let's let's ESV breaks these up into different um, segments, and it seems like a good way to take them. Um, so six one through ten is what we'll start with. And I'll read it, and then we'll kind of talk about what we see there. Sure. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. 
For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with the livestock and their tents and they would come like a locust in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted. So they laid waste as land weighed laced the land as they came in and Israel was brought very low because of Midian and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. Um, so this is kind of the situation, the setup of, of what we're, um, <clears throat> our, uh, um, I guess you could call it the, the, uh, the, the, um, Oh shoot. Um, trying to draw my literature major. Um, this is the setting, the situation of the, of, uh, that we find ourselves in. This is the scrolling title at the beginning of, of, uh, star Wars right. telling us what's going on when the story picks up. So, um, Israel once again, does evil Lord gives them in the hand of Midian and Midian and the Amalekites and the people of East, uh, have been trampling and eating their grain and, uh, and they are hiding out in caves and strongholds because they they are being harassed by um yeah by the amalekites and such so um do you have any historical data on this one or yeah yeah uh, a little bit uh so the midians the midianites uh they're they uh, entered in in genesis 25 uh, they're the ones that uh, were the slave traders for joseph uh, they're, they're the ones that the mm-hmm. brothers gave uh, uh, Joseph into their hands to then sell to Potiphar. Um, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, came from them, uh, but uh, uh, the Midianites didn't join the Canaanite conquest in Exodus 2.15. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the ones that hired Balaam, uh, which uh, then uh, as, as Christians we have to uh, hide our face when uh, a, a talking donkey comes into the picture for some odd reason. Um, and uh, they a- a- allied with the... Uh, rotund moab king against israel in judges three uh and they were uh nomadic people kind of on the the uh, east side of the the jordan there but uh uh historically uh they've uh they've been attributed to having walled cities with irrigation and uh they held the high ground and as we know from star wars uh you know it's all over when you have the high ground right <laughs> cannot stand um, against the high ground yeah. <laughs> gotta watch out for the sand uh and so so uh it, it doesn't look like they used uh camels as a as a means of war uh they used it as a means of of, of quick movement and so um th- that's something that the uh, the israelites didn't have they didn't have horses from from egypt they they were barred from you know uh, going there and i think that's a little bit later on on when that is but it's highly unlikely they would want to go back to egypt and ask for horses and and stuff like that so uh it seems like they were able to to be this this locust type warfare, and uh, you know uh, th- th- that calls to mind you know the plagues of Egypt, and now uh, be- because uh, the the Israelites aren't following what what God has um, uh, told them to do, uh, they're following after uh, false idols and 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 other gods. So now he's uh, uh, putting a new type of locust onto them. Um, mm. The 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 blessings that uh, that Brock uh, in previous chapters, uh, he he gave them victory over the Canaanites and allowed for a farm expansion of the Jezreel Valley, uh, which ends up uh, being turned into a negative here. 
and uh, mm-hmm. uh, we can almost get into some anarchism here. But uh, let me just say that uh, there, there, there does not seem to be a brotherly called arms, and so we we see kind of the already fractured na- nature of the of the, <clears throat> the twelve tribes, and we'll yeah. definitely see that in 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 uh, later chapters there. Yeah, and of course we've we've had. Uh great success or we've we found great use in um the following uh page so let's see is the zoom gonna look good yeah maybe yeah well no uh, yeah that's good um <clears throat> so uh you've got like this this is the outline of the first three chapters of judges and the last five chapters of judges you find um in in that that first um those first years of of uh, of Israel in the land, you've got Dan's idolatry taking place before um, Othniel, um, the the judge of Judges three. So you've got kind of eight years of Mesopotamian oppression leading to that, and it's during that time that Dan's idolatry of Judges seventeen and eighteen comes. <clears throat> with Jonathan's uh Jonathan uh the grandson of Moses. Oh, is there any way to make this work? No, there is not. Okay. Um just go to bible.ca slash chronology and you can uh you can find these charts. But but you've got kind of this is in the first um 1207 uh what is it from 1350 to 1270 um you've got that going on. That's what we looked at the last time we were in the book of Judges. But this uh, week and okay, we, there's no way to bring our faces into this. Um, I'm gonna take them off. Sorry. Um, I know looking at the handsome men is part of the reason you come here, but uh, you know you've got kind of the the units of chronology he he breaks it into of starting with Othniel, Ehud, and Deborah, um, with the Dan and the um, the 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 the, the um, uh, Benjamite civil war going on in the midst of that. Um, but then you've got the overlap. Again, we want to remember this overlap between what's going on in Deborah and the stories of Gideon, Abimelech, Tola, and Jair. Like ju- this, this is not a chronological story. Um, the book of judges is not strictly chronological. There's, I mean, there's some hints of chronology. Like you can, you can see like there's, they're not like it goes completely out of order. There's Deborah does kind of in some ways come first and get Gideon, but there's overlap between them. And then of course that Gideon, Abimelech, Tola and Jair story kind of follows uh, much more on its in, in a, in, in, in a, in a row. <clears throat> And uh, we're going to see a 40 years of peace. That is an overlapping piece between Deborah and Gideon. Um, and then you've got, you know, overlapping here with Jephthah, Ibaz, Ilan, Abdon, Samson, Eli, and Samuel also overlap quite a bit with this story. And, and even we're going to see, you'll, we'll see that Samuel story. I, I think this is, this is one of those things that I think um, kind of blew my mind a little bit was realizing how much um, Saul and Samuel's story overlaps. Like yeah. I, I don't think I'd, I'd ever really recognize that. It's actually when I was doing a study before heading over to Israel um, for my, my time in the land that that was first brought up is this um, Saul and Samuel story or, or not um, overlapping more, I guess, or not, not Saul and Samuel, uh, Samson and Samuel. Sorry, sorry. I'll correct myself. Um, 
but yeah, um, <clears throat> I keep saying the wrong names. Um, but, but this is, it's good to keep our chronology in mind that there is somewhat, we're, we're looking at a different part of the, uh, the judge's empire or that the Israelite world. And there's a bit of overlap going on between the two, um, places again, Bible.ca slash chronology. We can endorse the chronology section, not the rest of the site. Um, but go check that out. If you want to see that, I think this is a very helpful chart. Um, along with write-ups and explanations as to why the chart is the way it is. Um, but yeah, so there is, um, <clears throat> there's war going on in Israel. Um, and it's, and, and what's interesting is you could, we could find a political reason for this. We come up with some political explanation as to why there is war going on in Israel, um, we could step into the Midianite culture and see maybe some new king had risen who had some ideas about expansion. Maybe there had been uh, a uh, maybe there had been a famine in the land and they were attacking Israel in order to like maybe getting the grain was the point. They needed grain and so they're attacking Israel to take their grain. We don't know. It doesn't give us that. All it tells us is that the people of Israel did what did evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. So the, the theological reason is the one that overarchs everything else. Kind of the same way that we could look at our modern political landscape in, in the United States and say, well, we can explain this culturally. We can explain this politically. We explain this historically and, and uh, you know, but, but ultimately what's the, the real reason for our state is we have been a sinful nation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when the Lord wishes to punish a sinful people, he does it by sending them wicked rulers as uh, some smart guy with a long beard once said. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness. Calling Saul by Samson's name was a very successful negging strategy. Samuel used, which is why Saul actually hated him. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for that, Jeff. <laughs> um, yeah. So it goes on when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, thus says Yahweh, the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So the same problem that always comes up in Israel comes up again there. They were called to be a monotheistic people. To keep the first commandment, have no other gods before me. And that's not put another God in front of me. That's have no other gods before my eyes. Uh, even if they're lesser gods set alongside the main God, secretism is, is flatly rejected in that first commandment. And they have not kept that commandment. Uh, um, you know, a very smart man with another beard um, named Jeff Park um, once pointed out how it was a grace of God to first teach us monotheism before teaching us tri uh, Trinitarianism, because otherwise we'd have been tritheists. And here's once again proof of his uh, thesis that <laughs> these monotheistic people are once again worshiping other gods. 
And then he's saying, so let's let's see how they protect you. Let's see how they take care of you. When, when you go to them, instead of I, the God who led you out of Egypt. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they go from from slavery to freedom, back to slavery of foreign gods, and non-freedom in starvation. Uh, you know, it, it's it's that uh, that uh, idea of uh, it's it's really hard to talk about uh, the 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 greater things of this world when you're not sure where your next meal is coming from. So it's uh, very hard to focus on on uh, uh, on keeping your freedom uh, as as a uh, as a means into an, of itself. So you had freedom, you had separation from masters, you had land, you had direct revelation of the true God, you had direct call to action to protect your prosperity, and now it's the reverse. That, that's, that's what we're seeing here, is we're seeing all that being taken away from. And so this mm -hmm. is the, the punishment of God, uh, but it's also the, the thing that uh, he uses to drive people uh, back to him as well. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's there's no freedom in hunger. You have oppressive rulers literally overhead. Uh, literally, uh, you have uh, upheld land. Uh, a need for a prophet to come forth, uh, as there doesn't seem to be a public prophet. Uh, false gods who did nothing to protect. And so uh, this is definitely a, a very serious um, call to um, to understand exactly what freedom uh, freedom is and what 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 it gives you. And so, you know, as, as anarchists were always told, like, oh, you know, in, in a world of anarchy, uh, you would lose it at, the, at the, uh, the drop of the hat. And we would say, yes. And that's why we don't want people so close to dropping that hat. Mm -hmm. uh, we, 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 want, we want a division of, of, of that. And, and, and we see um, here in the first 10, 10 chapters, um, you know, in, in, the, in the first part of, of the, the centralization of of grain production is in this is, is in this uh crescent crescent of, of valley crescent and and so you you have a centralization of resources mm. well and that's communism <laughs> i mean here in the book of judges is the best uh uh message against communism is that uh the the the, the camels can come and eat all your all your grain and so this division of labor is is, is no longer there you you're not having trade it doesn't seem uh, with with the other tribes. There's no there's no brotherly calls to actions. There's no hey, we're all starving here. Maybe we can get a, a posse together and and protect ourselves. It seems to be this fractured mess already. Um, and so mm -hmm. you know to to play the good status as well. Uh, well, this is what happens when when you when you don't have a king to unite people to rally behind. And so it's like sure, but then there's also the uh the the idea the, the understanding that even with a centralized uh military you have to pick your battles and you have to figure out exactly um where to put your resources at because we're a, a people of finite resources and then you're going to have a military to feed if you don't feed them if you don't pay the military as the caesars learned uh you're going to have <laughs> abject rebellion you're going to have uh, empires rise and fall uh, because of that military and so we we don't want to put um, all our all our grain in one basket and we don't want to put all our force uh, in in that same basket as well yeah I think um <clears throat> of course Jeff's mentions in the comments well wait communism and then people starve <laughs> that doesn't make sense 
Yeah, th- this might be the only time in history that's ever happened. So, so we'll, we'll have to well, see. Which, of course, we know what that means. That means it wasn't real <laughs> communism. That's true. <laughs> because it's never been tried. Um, <laughs> if it fails, it wasn't real communism. Uh, but, but, but there's like, a, um, I would say though, there's, there's also a, um, like, I think that's, that's a good point, but like, yeah, this is what happens when they don't have a King to rally behind. I actually think maybe that's right. Cause who's supposed to be their King. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Lord is supposed to be their king. They're not rallying around the Lord. In fact, this is um they're they're rallying around other kings. The the kings of the 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 land, the gods of the land. And um and of course the their need for a judge to rise up and and unite them and take on the Midianites is starts with the fact that they're fractured. They're fractured by worshiping other gods and by not unifying around the one true God. Um, This is why I think, you know, there's been a helpful push among libertarianism toward this concept of a moral society or really pushing it back to this idea that a moral society of righteous people is what's necessary for Liberty. To which I say, amen and amen. (laughs) The only time Israel worked as in essentially a a patriarchist anarchy is when they were following the one true God, when they were righteous, when they were dedicated to God's law. And, um, and, and yeah, like we, we, we can't, um, yeah, well, let's, let's not miss that part that this is true. That like, I think this is the thing that the Christian anarchists, we need to come back into the anarchy sphere and say, it's more than just Christian morality. It's Christianity. Um, you know, like there, I was, what's fascinating is when I heard, uh, Stefan Molyneux, Molyneux talking to Dave Smith about how like, man, there just seems to be something in people where they all have this natural impulse to worship. Who's been saying that all this time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My gosh. It's like someone wrote a book called the book of Romans, which uh, picks up on that very same thing. Like, and of course he's like, well, I wish they would worship reason. I'm like, well, no, that's what they've been doing for the past. How many years? How's that working out for you? Like that's, that's what the atheist secularist movement is, is about a worship of reason, which immediately turns into a worship of, emotionalism because reason is going to let you down pure reason will let you down you know i've never read uh Kant's critique of pure reason but there is a critique of pure reason available and i'm just bringing up Kant because i wanted to make sure you felt welcomed here um and so <laughs> well, you can but, uh, see our critique of Kant in uh the, the book uh, uh how to be an atheist that we went through uh, yeah. which is written from a Christian perspective, which calls atheists to be better atheists. And uh, yeah. we go over Kant's uh, critique of, of reason there. That's a good one. Um, but, but yeah, like there is, you know, there's much to critique about Kant, but, but there is a critique of pure reason, pure reason, apart from the word of God, apart from the God of the universe, reason built upon the great logic giver, the God of order is, is going to fall apart as well and turn into sentimentalism upon, along the way. Always does every single time. <laughs> it's like uh, it, it, it's like we have to find something to worship, and if that thing to worship is not God, it will let us down. Um, yes, real rational service. Uh, to to rephrase Jeff's comment, has never been tried. Well, that's not true. It's just been tried and 
And then, and uh, what is it? What is it that C.S. Lewis said? The problem with Christianity is not that it's been tried and found wanting. It's that it's been tried and found difficult. Uh, (laughs) Which I think uh, that's pretty accurate summary. But yeah, like so, that's what we got going on here. We've we've set up the setup. We've we're setting the scene. Now we're about to get into the uh, the uh, the rising action. See, I I watch your podcast. I'm I'm paying attention. Well, great. That's awesome. The literary structure or whatnot. Um, I'll, I'll just make sure I say des desis monsters and and really just oh boy, just mess with your head. Denouement. Denouement. <laughs> spelled denouement. Yeah, but the French. Right. Uh, it's the one of, French word you have in the entire story structure. You can't blame me for that. It's true. It's <laughs> I'm true. reading it logically. right like uh it's true which no one ever accused french of being logical (laughs) um (laughs) but then we get to verse 11 uh we're gonna read this next section this is the call the famous call of gideon now the angel of the lord came and sat under the terebinth at ophrah which belonged to joash the abiezrite while his son gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the midianites so this is where, like, I feel like a lot, of, I've heard a lot of this is like a lot of critique against Gideon. Like he's being fearful here. He's being a coward here. He's hiding from the Midianites. Take the first section, put it back in context. He's actually being wise. Like if this is yeah. what happens every single time they're coming out and they're taking the grain, it makes sense to hide the grain. He's not being foolish. He's being wise. Um, you could find other reasons in the story why he is somewhat cowardly, but I don't take this as a sign of his cowardice. Um, and of course, we're, we're only there's only one verse in, of course, because I'm me. Um, but the angel of the Lord sitting under the terebinth at Ophrah should also bring to mind Abraham, uh, Abrahamic parallels that God is about to interact with his people again. Um, echoing the way that God interacted with Abraham um, to set up his people. Um, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all this all his wondrous deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, please Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest of in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign. It is you who speak to me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. Um, so yeah, like uh, there's a lot of verses. Man, I'll tell you what I'm, I'm getting like PTSD flashbacks to my youth ministry being in youth ministry days of a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, these verses that get taken out of context and, and like, see the blah, 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 blah. blah. And of course this is what you can be for you to be a Gideon. Um, let's, let's just 
keep it in the story, keep it in the focus of we are talking about an actual event in history. Let's not forget that. This is not Aesop's fables giving us moral lessons. This is telling history. Um, <clears throat> but it is somewhat significant that he starts speaking to them and he says, Yahweh is with you, O mighty man of valor. What has he done that is valorous to this point? Right. <laughs> I mean, he's he's been a farmer like i think which you know no knock on farmers but that's not a, usually what we think of we're talking about a mighty man of valor now of course so many people will take off the spin of like well it's because the lord sees your potential not who you are now but what you could be if you answer his call or the lord is speaking to him of what he will be because he's going to make him that way. Right. Like that seems much more in line with what we see of God is that the Lord is going to make him a mighty man of valor. Mm -hmm. It's not about his potential. It's not about answering the call of God. He is seeing what he is going to do through Gideon. And he is declaring that Gideon It's kind of like calling David King before he is crowned. The Lord is declaring his intentions over him. My intention is to make you a mighty man of valor by giving you victory over the Midianites. Uh, I am going to make you king of Israel. That is what is happening. And um, it's kind of like when the Lord calls us righteous for the sake of the imputed righteousness of Christ. Because one day we will stand before him in perfect righteousness. Um, and so there's a, a proleptic already not yet to it um, in, in our declaration of righteousness. And we see similar calls throughout scripture with this. Uh, Mary's called the favor one, Luke one. Moses is called the mouth of God in Exodus four. You'll be like a God. Uh, the purified one uh, for Isaiah six. Uh, Samuel's called, uh, he's the established prophet whose words didn't would not fail in first Samuel three. So all this before it happens, God yeah. speaking prophetically of what, what will happen, what will come about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and of course, um, Gideon is, um, he is somewhat hesitant, but, but at the same time we can see some sort of like, this is kind of the way that Israelites spoke to the Lord of like using his name and character and, uh, um, and history, what is history of interaction with Israel as an argument for him to act now? Like we see it all over the Psalms. This, uh, this basis I've, I've been memorizing Psalm 89 and I love the way they like, it's like the whole Psalm is like buttering up God of like, look how, how faithful and mighty and steadfast love and all the steadfast love you've shown to David. And then halfway through the Psalm, he goes, so where is David now? Like there's no King of, there's no Davidic King sitting on the throne. Where is he now? What, what happened to your faithfulness, your steadfast love, your mightiness? Like that's, that's, that's kind of a typical way of speaking to the Lord, of, of speaking his name and his purposes and his promises um, back to God as the basis of our prayer. You find it also in Acts 4, the great prayer of the first prayer, the first kind of great prayer written out by the, the apostles. They, they call him the sovereign one, the Lord over all the earth, the one who who uh, saved through Christ. And now because you are all these things, make us bold to go preach the gospel in, in this, uh, to this generation. And so there is something of a, of a teaching lesson when it comes to prayer is, is 
part of the reason we do adoration when we pray to the Lord is to remind us of something. Yes. To remind us of who it is we're talking to. Um, this is also part of the reason why we do Thanksgiving. But another reason is because that is kind of the way that we see people engage in prayer with the Lord is Lord, you are holy and mighty and sovereign and gracious. And you are, you are my God through Jesus Christ. You are the one who placed a seal on me. You have chosen me for the foundation of the world. And so Lord, I pray that you would help me to, uh, pass this test and you know, no, but, <laughs> but whatever we, we are praying for, like there's, there's uh if, I, if I'm praying for wisdom, I'm praying to the God who promised that he would give wisdom. So I'm going to remind him of that. Um, I'm going to speak that in, in my prayer. Um, you know, remind, of course we're speaking from a human perspective. When we say remind him of that, it's not like the Lord forgets, right. <clears throat> but, but that's, that's sort of a way that prayer kind of is, is shown in those days. And he is in fact, speaking to the angel of the Lord, the messenger of Yahweh. Um, and so it makes sense for him to, to speak as such. Um, although you could argue he, he goes a little bit overboard in the following paragraphs to, of, of getting proof, but, um, <laughs> but, but let's also remember he has been beaten down, quite beaten down. So let's, let's be a little gracious with young Gideon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is which is one of the reasons why I I, I picked this because I, I like the story of Gideon a lot. He, uh, I never saw myself as David. I never saw myself standing before yeah. my giants and hurling rocks at them, uh, telling them in the name of the Lord. Uh, no, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm I'm Gideon, uh, being flippant, uh, uh, waiting for for God to to work his 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 will out, and and just sitting there, but also knowing that I've got a giant idol in my in my backyard. And, uh, and, um, th there are, there's, there's a call already, um, made for me that, uh, maybe, maybe I'm waiting for, for that, uh, yes, no, maybe to, uh, to fully audibleize itself yeah. <laughs> and then I can, then I can go. Yeah. And, uh, and Jeff says we should clear out and let him do a tree rant someday. So <laughs> I guess, I guess tune in for episode 50. Uh, 9.5 where Jeff gives the epic tree rant of history uh, <laughs> where I'm just going to turn off my microphone and take a nap and let him speak I guess I don't know we'll, we'll do that maybe, maybe he'll be there to turn over a new leaf <laughs> oh oh man you just had that queued up it's like it was right in your trunk Um, I'm not going to bark I, I, at it I don't really like to branch out <laughs> oh boy oh uh, I'm, I'm feeling like this this direction is a bit fruitless um so gideon went into his house 19 and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from ephah from an ephah flour the meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them in to him under the terebinth and presented them and the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. 
Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you, do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace, Yahweh is shalom. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abiezerites. Um, so once again, the, this theme that we've kind of picked up here and there and really should be picked up more. We need to talk more about this theme, the holiness of God, that to look on him is to die. And so there's, there's a real fear that anyone who looks on the Lord would die. Alas, oh Lord God, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And he throws himself on the ground. The Lord says, peace, peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Um, you know, whew. Uh, you know, it's like we sing that song. Uh, we used to, or we used to sing that song. We don't sing it anymore. Um, grace, uh, graciously. We don't have to sing that song anymore. Um, you know, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. No, no, you don't. (laughs) You, you really don't. That's let's, let's talk about what happens to people who see the Lord. Um, But yeah, you, you, and then he, it's, there's an offering of sacrifice and there's this, um, kind of a interesting, um, you know, he, he touches the staff to the rock and burns it up, even though it's wet, like there's kind of a, 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 um, foreshadowing of the, the later Elijah battle in that. Um, and yeah, what else do you see in here? Uh, just how giant, uh, this offering is. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to look it up and, and the, if I found favor in your eyes is, is a familiar fl- phrase in Genesis 18. And so mm-hmm. an ephah flower is about 34 to 45 pounds of, wow. of, of this, this cake with a goat, uh, uh, meat. And this is three times the offering that Abram, uh, had for his visitors. <sighs> and this is a time of famine and uh mm-hmm. un, unsure you know he's a single person eating out grain in in a wine press where you know yeah. a wine is usually made in wine press and um uh, he doesn't have any of his servants around him trying to keep a low profile and right. he's giving this this big uh offering and and you you see this progression where you kind of see him go uh oh oh, oh. Yeah. So he kind of starts out with sir, then it then it moves on to Lord, and then wow. he 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 gets it and Lord God, and then fear, and as our good buddy Jeff has uh, first memorized one of his first and favorite verses is the fear of the Lord is the mm-hmm. beginning of understanding of of wisdom, and so mm-hmm. there you have kind of the kickoff of of realizing of 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 getting re- realizing exactly what's happening uh, you know he's he's being yeah. called and uh to uh, you know going back to um the 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 israelites cried out to the lord there and repented is not there it's a cry mm. out to the lord and and it's by god's grace that he's choosing and he's choosing uh, again mm. a a a person of of some little means it it, it it's not exactly yeah. clear if if he's being if Gideon's being flippant, but you know he he's saying that he 
He's uh, uh, the, the least in his family. Uh, they, the, the Lord isn't with them. Uh, he has no standing either in his family or among th- uh, the, the people. Uh, he's not able to call soldiers uh, to his, even to his clan or to his family. Uh, he's not able to pull them, pull the resources in. He, he has no, no authority. He, he's, he's, you know, he's the, the youngest. And, and um, I always enjoy how, how often uh, Israelite um, uh, understanding of, oh, it, it's, it's, always, it's always the first child who's the most favored. But then if you look at scripture, it's always like the third or the second, or mm-hmm. it's, it's the liar. It, it's always the, uh, it, it's always the um, subverting the expectations, uh, mm-hmm. if you will. And, and here we have the most subverted expectation is out of, out of all the people, mm-hmm. why Gideon? And, and, and that's the, the juxtaposition between what he's doing, uh, who, who, um, who he is, and then the declarative nature of, of God here about what yeah. he will be. But also you do see him sacrificing. Uh, yeah. he, he, he makes an altar, which um, th- that might be still a carryover from uh, kind of his pagan understanding. Um, but, uh, but he, he's, he's not uh, uh, corrected uh, other than to not fear uh, by, by the angel of the Lord, by, uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I take it uh, as the, the pre-incarnate Christ. Um, I, I know there are people that differ on that, but uh, I think that's the best, the best reading of it. He's, he accepts the sacrifice. He, he doesn't, um, he, he, he doesn't call for uh, uh, getting to rise or, or, or a- any of the things that we see when men act uh, incorrectly with angels um, as in the, the, the messengers, uh, we, we, we see a different nature that we see of, of the angel of, of Yahweh here in, um, in Genesis, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so then going to 25 <clears throat> that night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold there, here, with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bowl and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took men of his servants and did as the Lord had told them, because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. You know... I, I, I'm all, again, is he being scaredy cat or is he being, you know, could be, I don't know. I'm just, I don't want to comment too much on that, but, um, but he does what the Lord tells him to tears down the bail mm-hmm. altar, tails on the Asher pole. And once again, but we see once again, this, this, this theme also in the scriptures of the Lord taking not a perfectly righteous person, right. but a person who is committing the very sins he's trying to root out and taking him to be his representative. Um, you got the same thing with Abraham who we find out, you know, is uh, his father had was a worshiper of false gods. So that means him as the son probably worshiped those same false gods. And yet he was called by the one true God of Israel to form the people uh, of Israel. And, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and yeah, like the, you, you get, you get the same thing here. Um, he's a poor, he'd be a poor representative of monotheism. Uh, 
except for that the Lord himself came to him, said, tear down those false altars and build one to me. You know, like use the, use the rocks of the fallen uh, temple or the fallen um, uh, Baal statue and take the, build them into an altar for me. Take the, the wood from the Asherah pole and use that to burn the sacrifice to me. And, um, and yeah. Yeah. Redemption. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, uh, uh, another sacrifice of the time of famine. It's a, it's a bull, uh, seven years old. So it's, you know, uh, a, a, a lot of young bulls are either gelded or uh, they're used as sacrifices. And here's a bull of prime breeding stock that that's probably set aside mm. for this. And that's the one to be altered or that's the one to be, to be sacrificed on the altar. Um, and so it's, a it's, you know, it, not attributing, uh, under cover of night, but he also did it with 10 men and then he does the altar, uh, with the sacrifice. Is he really hiding anything? Um, you, you kind of see this, um, waffling in faith. Uh, and, and so this, this, unperfect person which is always uh again not to read myself <laughs> into the story but the the story of god using his his people his chosen people for his purposes perfectly in an from an imperfect uh position yeah, um, praise the lord we we see uh similarly uh moses Mo moses is on on the way to, to, to lead his people. And, and what has he failed to do? He's failed to offer the sign of circumcision. So, mm -hmm. so much so that it's done almost violently in front of him. And so that's what, what uh, Gideon is doing here is, is he's, he's being prepared uh, to, to, to be that, um, that representative of, of God to, to the people around him uh, by doing something bold that uh, that uh, that is the removing of this. Um, if, if he's not the caretaker of it with his family, then they live in clo close proximity, which um, has probably some level of of reverence to the family. Um, but it it does seem like there's a um, uh, a, a relationship between his family and 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 the altar, which is being severed here uh, mm. publicly eventually. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's, it's, um, <clears throat> I think it's essential and important that before dealing with, like we skip over this section so often when we tell the story, like we'll skip from this to the fleece from the Lord meeting him in the, 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 the wine press to him laying out a fleece. But this is essential because the alt, because let's get, go back to the beginning of the story. Go back to the context. The real problem that led to Midian conquering them is the false worship. And so if there's any hope of the Lord uh, delivering them and preserving them, it's going to be because they follow his command to put away the false gods. Yeah. You, you see that in the Kings, the, the rule of the Kings, yeah. it, it's, it's a uh, fell out of sorts, did not did what was right in their own eyes. But then a King was raised up and he removed the attributes. He tore down, mm -hmm the 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 monuments of baal and those those end up be the good kings because they were they were removing uh, as as again as as god's uh 
chosen ruler uh, as kind of the the representative nature there of 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 what they of 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 their office um they were removing yeah. exactly what um divided them as a or what should have divided them as a nation among the other nations yeah absolutely like we don't grapple enough with the fact that the sin of the kings of israel of the northern kingdom in particular and many of the sins of the southern kingdom are not moral sins but are worship sins like those are the main sins at at play and so Let's look at let's let's take a jump a hop skip and a jump into our own context and say like is the Lord judging us for abortion? Probably a little. Is the <laughs> Lord judging us for um, the sexual chaos and degeneracy of our world? Maybe a little. But what if the ultimate thing? What if even abortion and the sexual chaos and degeneracy? What if that is the judgment of the true sin? which is failing to worship the Lord. Like we have turned our worship services into a circus. We have moved away from the word of the Lord guarding and, and regulating our worship. We've moved away from that, the, the scriptural worship of our God, according to his commands. And what does he say in the second commandment for the Lord is a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. You go back three to four generations. You see this, uh, this, this failure to worship God scripturally. And what do we find in the second and third and fourth generation? We find sexual immorality. We find abortion. We find all kinds of moral degeneracy. It's almost like that all flows from the original sin of failing to worship God and to give the glory that's due to him to mere creatures, almost like he's giving us over to uh, to our sin. Right, I wonder if there's right. somewhere we could read that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the maybe the early the early chapters of Romans. <laughs> maybe maybe the ones we like to skip over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not coincidentally. Yeah. Well, and um, and two, I, it, one of the things that I I don't think we we grapple with, and 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 maybe it's a it's a, a kind of a a Job type question where where you ask God why and he he doesn't give you the full answer. But uh, is it is it inappropriate to think then that uh, sometimes the punishment that God gives us is things like abortion, the 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 acceptance of abortion, the confusion of sex, gender. Uh, you know uh, the destruction of children uh, uh, in in many different ways. The the breakdown of society is that one of the ways that God gets our attention. Okay, mm-hmm. you're putting your faith in um, the the fifties nostalgia, uh, rose colored glasses of everyone's a Christian because they're an American, and watch what happens when it's revealed that. A majority of the people sitting in your pews are there for the golf outing and and passing the 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 noodle uh, casserole, and not there to to worship God. And we'll we'll see what happens once that's yeah. no longer a benefit to people. And they go, oh mm-hmm. oh wait, we, we we can do whatever we want, and we can we can go after, uh, you know the 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 
20 year periods of, of drugs always changes. So it depends on, you know, the, whatever your generation of drugs is and ours is kind of puberty blockers. Yeah. So Dostoevsky said, if God is dead, everything is permissible. That's that's yeah. The chaos of the Lord. You know, I think if we all understood the first three chapters of Romans better, we would understand the reality of why the gospel can't just focus on souls, but must focus on, on cultures. And we can understand the way cultures degenerate and devolve. Um, I think so much can be understood just by careful reading of the first three chapters of Romans. And so I, I, uh, I, I I mean, it does describe absolutely everybody that has ever existed. So, you know, if you're not a Jew, you're everybody else. And congratulations. Now you're on to chapter three. Yep. 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 Speaks to everyone. Um, also chapter two is going to help you to understand Mr. Dispensationalist. Uh, what the real plan of God uh, for Gentiles and, and Israel was. I think uh, not a dispensationalist wrestle with chapter two. That's a whole <laughs> other thing. <clears throat> um, but then all the men wake up and they see what Gideon has done. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down and the Asherah beside it was cut down. And the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, will you contend for Baal? Or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerubbabel. That is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he broke down his altar. Now all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the east came together, and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he sounded the trumpet and the Abiezerites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun and Naphtali and they went up to meet him, to meet them. So they wake up, they find the result and uh, Joash uh, who has not shown um, such um, righteousness in the past, um, <laughs> CF Bale and Astropoles, but he's it's like he gets the he gets what happened. And um there's a bit of I I, I don't think it's too much to say there's a bit of repentance going on here. Like, well, there, there's a little bit of the Boniface uh thing going <laughs> on, right? Like he tore down the altars. I mean, if he's a god, then let him contend for himself. What are he's you not even do? mad about the bull? Yeah, that's yeah, good, it's true. Yeah. You you crashed the car? What? Oh, that car was my idol. Oh, okay, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And uh and I think that's a that's a good it's a you know, I, I think that's you know, people have been talking about it a lot, especially um this this idea of taking more of a of a offensive attack on the gods of this world, and I think there's probably something right to that. Of like, if they're really gods, they should be able to stand up for themselves. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think the Boniface option, 
as it's called by one particular Twitter handle, um, mm. is is kind of a I think a wise strategy for the modern world. Let's not argue with them. Let's just tear them down. Let's not make an argument. Let's just tear them down. Let's let's not wait until everybody wakes up and have a discussion in front of the bail pole. Well, should we tear it down or not? Let's just tear it down. And uh, so here's the anarchist yeah. saying, "Violate the nap." Uh, no. <laughs> um, we're using metaphors here, sir. Uh, and okay. also, bail the bail and Asher poll were Gideon's families. Uh, poll. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice to to have like a a, a a shrine of abortion that you could just tear yeah. down. I mean, I, I I would gladly uh uh you know g- give up my freedom for trespassing on that land. Well, apparently we can tear down s- statues as long as we want. Apparently that's fine. Apparently nobody <laughs> goes to jail for that anymore. So mostly peaceful. Uh, mostly peaceful. Uh, <laughs> the sign of the fleece. Then Gideon said to God. If you will save Israel by my hand, as you've said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew in the fleece alone and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you've said. And it was so. When he rose the next morning, he squeezed the fleece. He wrung out enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl of water. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once (laughs) once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. So he takes his signs and cranks them to 11. Uh, (laughs) You know, dumps out a whole bowl full of dew from this fleece. And uh, I think um, this is another place where, like, there's a little bit of over interpretation. I think that gets done where, where we automatically say, Oh, Gideon was being faithless by calling for a sign. Maybe there's a little bit of that, but also like it is significant that God does what Gideon asks him to do. Yeah. There's no chastisement here. Yeah. There's yeah, exactly. Um, they're not saying you're putting the Lord to the test. Like there is sort of a, um, yeah, the Lord does what he says he'll do. And um, I think there's, it's not always like, sometimes we use the, the phrase putting out the fleece of like, we're waiting on the Lord <laughs> to do certain things. Um, yeah. And I think that's not always wrong. Like sometimes I, maybe I'm wrong. And if I am, someone can correct me, please correct me because I'm currently in a period of placing out, laying out the fleece myself. Um, but there's sometimes where I'm like, I don't know if the Lord really wants me to go in this direction. That there's a direction I think that the Lord is calling me to go, but I also know that it's very easy for me to confuse my voice for the Lord's voice and my desires for the Lord's leading. And so sometimes I don't think it's inappropriate to sometimes say, Lord, um, this is really the direction you want me to go. Um, here are some dominoes that need to fall. And, um, and I asked that you would make, make this happen so that it is clear to me that this is the way I need to go. It doesn't mean that I stop pursuing 
Like not necessarily that those dominoes aren't things that I myself am pursuing. Um, someday, someday I hope I'll be able to speak clearly about all of these things that I've been <laughs> vaguely hinting at on the show. Um, but through a mirror darkly. I get a no. What's that? Through a mirror darkly. Yeah. Um, either because I get a, a clear no from God or because he, he brings it about, but, um, but I am in somewhat of a fleece laying stage. I'm, I'm kind of, um, not necessarily dr- huge dramatic things, but there are certain things that I've, I've, I'm kind of right now saying, sitting here and waiting on the Lord and saying, Lord, if this is your will, if this is truly your desire. Um, these are things that need to happen. And, and there are things beyond my control. Um, you know, I can make small gestures in this direction, but ultimately there are things that you're going to have to move into place. And so Lord, I, I pray that you do them. And I'm kind of daily praying that. And I think that's, that's sometimes appropriate, um, to do so. Now we must never take that uh, if we if we're doing it about something that we know for a fact is God's will, then we are putting the Lord to the test. He has spoken clearly. Like if you're if you're looking for a sign as to whether or not you should um, sleep with that cute blonde um, who's not your <laughs> wife, um, let me tell you clearly from the Lord. This is the Lord speaking to you. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So that's a pretty clear one. We don't have to put out fleece for that. Um, but. But there are other situations where, yeah, like there, there's, it could go either way. And I don't think it's inappropriate. Yeah. And, and I guess, uh, it at least shows that even with the spirit of the Lord coming upon Gideon, he's still Gideon. This yeah. isn't like yeah. a, uh, a, a, you know, an indwelling as, as a, as a, like a spiritual uh, takeover, like a, a possession, yeah. you know, th- th- this isn't, uh, you know, a, uh, this, this is something uh, uh, kind of new uh, with, within uh, the scripture so far. And we'll see it again with, uh, with uh, Saul, you know, it, it comes on and, and goes off again, uh, letting all of us to take bets on whether or not we'll see Saul in heaven. <laughs> um uh, but, uh, but, Ooh, but a tricky one. It, it's, it's also, it's also an understandable sign. If, if it's, if it's faith or faithlessness or, a, a waning waxing, uh, what happens? I mean, he, he, he tears down some Asherpole and I mean, this is the gospel mark immediately. Some guys try and kill him. So they're not willing to rally around, uh, the community in, in a, in a, in a, they take part in the community as well. It's not that we're anti-community as anarchists, but uh, you know that's their rallying point. Is they 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 tore down some some rocks and a and a a tree that's uh, uh, made like a pregnant lady, and they're gonna kill people for that. But people that are uh, having some uh, camels come and take your food, like mm, let's hold off on that. Uh, th- those people have pointy sticks, mm. but but then. It goes, and he he uh, gets uh, uh, the spirit of the Lord on him. He sounds a trumpet, mm-hmm. and then those same people that wanted to kill him are suddenly following him, mm-hmm. and he's sending messages to his 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 uh, people group Manessa, and they follow him too. I mean, it must have been. I mean, to go from 
Listen, I was just in a wine press the other day, beating some some sticks together, trying to get a little food for my family and the servants. And now all of a sudden I'm leading an army. And those are those are those are big steps. And I can kind of I can in, in one sense I definitely see the the desire to to have this confirmed. Although he is asking exactly what God told him he would do. Uh, and so, um, not to not to contradict the host, but uh, it seems a little bit un- unfaith-like. Sure, that's true. <clears throat> yeah, I think it is also like yeah, a little bit of the Lord can be patient in our in our doubts sometimes. You know, like <clears throat> there's there's plenty of uh, in the scripture about you know pray with faith without doubting and things like that. Um, but there's also places where the Lord is kind of you know he's gentle with the lowly and the meek, you know, uh, Christ in the boat. Oh, Oh, you of little faith. And what does he do? He calms the storm. He did. Yeah. He, it wasn't a time for him to, to gloat or to, 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 you know, uh, curry up a bigger storm or to, to do away with these, these friends that he's been traveling with for better friends that will stick by him. No matter how crazy the book is tossed, especially people that wake you up as a third shifter. I understand the importance of sleep and I too would probably fall asleep in the same fashion. Uh, you know, I, I definitely worked as hard as Jesus did that day, but, but he, you know, he, he, he was patient with, with his, with his group and calm the sea. And so mm-hmm. I, I think we do see uh, even that here and, 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 you know, we see it with Abraham, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, if, if it, if I have found favor in your sight, now let me continue to ask questions of you to, to kind of um, discern your will, uh, even with, you know, 50, 10, uh, you know, he, he, he almost is like, can, can I help get lot out of there almost? And, and I think we see that here and, you know, God, God knows exactly who, who he's working with. And so, um, I don't think this is a, a, a call for, for normal practice. I, I could see a TBN person saying, now, if you just send $636 and we'll, we'll put out a fleece for you and we'll tell you <sighs> if, if, if you're supposed to get that new car. I feel it, but act now three easy payments. I, I could definitely see this being overused, but the, mm-hmm. it, it does seem to, uh, to, to at least be, th- these are real people th- th- this isn't, this isn't, uh, you know, Homer's odyssey, uh, you know, and, and there you have, uh, tragic characters as well for a story, but these do seem like, I mean, these do seem like real people. This isn't this isn't a play. These aren't yeah. these aren't the 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 Clark Kent Superman can do no wrong, and it's only an outside force that uh, acts upon yeah. him where he's forced to make a choice. These are just, uh, you know, again, I, I'm not reading myself into Gideon, but I definitely understand where the Bible's coming from mm-hmm. when Gideon's described. Yeah, yeah, it's history, not a morality tale. Like it's not. <laughs> Yeah, we're not. The point isn't to find heroes; it's to hear the story. Um, So, chapter seven, when uh, things pop off, um, then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped against the spring of Herod, and the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Mora in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, "Uh." The people, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. 
lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Then the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And anyone whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, you should go with you shall go with you and anyone whom i say this one shall not go with you shall not go so he brought the people down to the water and the lord said to gideon everyone who laps the water with his tongue as the dog laps he shall set by himself likewise everyone who kneels down to drink and the number of those who lapped putting their hands to their mouths was 300 men but all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water and the lord said to gideon with the 300 men who lapped i will I will save you and give to the Midianites and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go every man to his home. So the people took provisions into their hands with, and their trumpets and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained 300 men and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. So this is another one where I have found over interpretations abound. <laughs> so so of course the reason he parries them down is because he doesn't want uh he wants good soldiers who are you know they're lapping and so they're they're look able to look around like no that's not what happened that's not what happened in fact i would say that the the, the clearest thing to see here is that the lord is giving arbitrary reasons to get rid of people because his whole purpose, like he gives the purpose. He doesn't want the best of the best soldiers. He wants all the glory for the victory. Like that's what's happening now. And, and it's amazing how we don't get that <laughs> in our modern evangelical culture. We look to business administration advice so that we can do good work for the Lord and make sure that, you know, we can give a good return on our labor. We, we look to modern psychological whatevers or modern communication practices and, and this and that and everything. And, and, and so, and so we're going to, we're going to do something for the Lord by doing all this good research. And the Lord said quite clearly, this is how you're supposed to build your church. Here's what you do. Here, let me tell you what you do. You preach my word, you pray, you worship period. That's it. That's how you're going to, that's how it's going to happen. And it's almost like, I think I see a similarity to this Gideon story in that. Is that like the Lord has intentionally done this in such a way that we are not able to get any glory. I cannot get any glory for the spread of the gospel in my church, in my town, in my nation, because he said, you know what you do? Just get up there preach the word let me do the work <laughs> and but yeah we all think we're wiser than god um it is important too that uh god is still consistent with his word uh it, it's that first call the the one that pairs down the 32,000 to 10 mm. uh Deuteronomy 28 is the the officers shall speak further to the people and say, is there any man who feared and is faint hearted? Let him go yeah. back to his house, lest he make the heart of his uh, fellows melt like his own. So uh, again, uh, God's word consistent. Uh, he tells mm -hmm. Gideon to uh, carry out the word that uh, was uh, uh, proclaimed in Deuteronomy there. 
And so we still see that, that God um, seems to know his word uh, a little bit uh, more than Gideon does. Because there's no call about before that. Sounds a bit like a voluntary army. Who? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. It's also interesting, the, the spring of Herod, uh, Herod, uh, my Hebrew is worse than my English, uh, surprisingly enough, but uh, is also a, a, a spring of fear and trembling. And so hmm. you, you have hmm. you have this uh, kind of test of faith uh, yeah. type deal, and then um, you have you have them drinking in fearful manner, whether whether the the spring's name came first or was a, a, a part of this is is uh, unknown. Yeah, right. <clears throat> and um, yeah, um, the I I think this might pair a little bit with with David. Um, because you, you see the, the mighty men that go with him, where does he get them from? Mm. Well, he gets them from the cave that he was in and he was, you know, uh, mm. praying for God to just give him sleep. And mm. those mighty men, uh, are the ones that follow him out and they're the ones that, you know, uh, will will go out into battle at the front lines at at his call. And so you you see um and then I'll I'll skip a little bit uh when he when he comes back to the camp for where he's going to go in a couple of verses. Um Gideon is is never seen as a weak leader. Like he's always you know he's pu- pulling out a call to arms. He's he's seen as uh being clothed in the Lord. Um uh it, he's his his Call to arms is met with joy. Uh, they're coming mm-hmm. to him. Uh, with the fleece, it's in the morning. Uh, no one's there around to see him. Uh, when he divides the men, it, it must have looked like either he was very foolish or he had a plan. And th- mm-hmm. there's there's never d- done anything publicly with him and his crisis of faith. When when he goes out to the the camp, he takes one of his servants and comes back and you know has this giant shout of like, "Oh, guys, the the victory is always won." And to those three hundred people, I mean, you know, what what a rallying cry that that uh, that that mm-hmm. you know would have done. I mean, it, mm. it, we, we I think we would view it um, in in our context as you know uh, exactly what you were saying. Uh, what are you doing? And, you know, uh, the the last movie with three hundred people in it ended with everyone dying, <laughs> you know, uh, and and all in slow motion. Mm-hmm. But he, he, here we will have three hundred people not not doing just the driving out from the land, but then chasing after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> let's keep going. That same night, verse nine, chapter seven. That same night, the the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. Because I love the condescension that, that God is, <laughs> is like, I know who you are. So here, go down with your servant um, and hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the out posts of the uh, of the armed men who were in the camp and the midianites and the amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance and their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance 
And uh, when Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, behold, I dreamed a dream and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of this dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of the camp and shout for Yahweh has get for Yahweh and for Gideon. Uh, so Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. And when they had just set the watch and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. And then the three companies blew their trumpets and black and broke the jars. They held in their left hands, the torches and in the right hands, the trumpets to blow. And they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they broke, uh, when they blew the three hundred trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the enemy, and the armies fled as far as Beth Shittah toward Zerara, as far as the border of Abel Meholah by Tabath. And the men of Israel were called out from Naphtali and from Asher and from all Manasseh, and they pursued after Midian. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and capture the waters against them as far as Beth Barah and also the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they captured the waters as far as Beth Barah and also the Jordan. And they captured the two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the wine press of Zeb. Then they pursued Midian. What's that? How coincidental. Yeah, very coincidental. <laughs> very convenient, actually. Then they pursued Midian, and they brought the heads of Zoreb and Zeb, or Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. So this is the most god victory in history <laughs> this is this ranks well, up there maybe that and, and the angel that kills like a hundred thousand people well sure. oh, yeah <laughs> but uh this ranks up there in the history of god victories with with jericho and uh <laughs> the red sea like it's just so typically the way god works that he does it in such a way that they literally all they do is blow trumpets <laughs> and hold torches and they end up killing each other they just that in their craziness, they in their insanity of, of leaving, they take sword against each other. And uh Yeah. <laughs> right. The Lord gets victory. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so the attack at night, which armies did not do. Uh, you uh-huh. know, it we, we didn't have spotlights back then. <laughs> you know, the, there 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 uh, weren't shellings uh doing under Torchlight is not the way that you want a bloody battle to to wage out. 
And so this is something unexpected. And I mean, to be one of those 300, again, uh, the, the rallying cry uh, to, 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 to go, okay, we're, we're, let, let's do this. I'm, I'm sorry. What do you want me to do? B- blow a horn, smash a jar, light some torch. I mean, just uh, again, the, the, there's, there, there's no, there's no, um, the, the, the provisions, uh, don't say uh, weapons. Those yeah. are the provisions. In fact, the provisions seem to be very, uh, limited because they'll go beg for food later. And, and so th- there's not even a return back to, um, the, 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 the larger community of, of, of soldiers that are, or people that are there that have been turned, turned away. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and of course this is a great reminder of exactly what we said that, you know, the battle belongs to the Lord, the Lord will get his victory the way he wants to do it. And so it's not enough just to do ministry. We have to do ministry according to what the Lord decrees us to. Um, this is why you can't just evangelize any old story, you know, to pluck at their heartstrings and manipulate them into a confession of, of sin and bow your knee at, down the, uh, the sawdust trail. No, it's, it's gotta be, we need to do it the way the Lord says he's going to do it because ultimately that's where victory comes from the Lord. When we do what he tells us to do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that something's missing here is this isn't a plan by God. This is a plan by Gideon who Mm. seems to, uh, I guess come, come to more fully realize exactly what God meant, <laughs> uh-huh. but you know, like, uh, not, not only is he hearing a dream of, of this, this barley rolling down the hill again, coming from the highlands and hitting a, a plains that where they're sitting. So again, subverting the expectation, the Midianites came from the highlands and took the Valley, but now Gideon is going to come from the highlands and is going to roll into camp and, and overturn the tents, the, the sign of the, the nomadic people of the Midianites. But uh, you know, th- th- there's, again, there's no call for take up your sword other than for the, 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 uh, for the Lord and for Gideon that there's, um, there's this hearing of his name, even in the interpretation, which seems like, I mean, he hasn't done anything yet, but mm-hmm. it seems to be, um, prevalent in, in at least the dream. So there's probably more than one person maybe having that dream. Uh, and, and so he's, He's, he comes up with this plan. Uh, this isn't a plan that's, that's given to him. Uh, maybe in some, some uh, compatibilistic fashion of, of the Lord coming upon him and, and inspiring mm. this plan. Um, but uh, but, but uh, this, this is one where he seems to say, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. And there's not even a unsheath your sword. There's no burn the city. There's no... Um, you know, t- take the camels. There's nothing other than do these few things and watch it all unfold. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Uh, Oreb means raven. Z means wolf. Again, animals that are used to speed and pick off things and carry them away. And obviously, once they're killed, the the, the, the rock and the, the wine press, again, the... Uh, going back to the wine press of, of Gideon, uh, it's uh, uh, ironic that it ends uh, here, uh, but then uh, they they start the pursuit. Yeah. <clears throat> now we're going to speed through chapter eight a little bit because um, 
a little bit more of the same. And also because there's a section that we're really wanting to get to and we're coming to the end of our time. So <laughs> then the men of Ephraim said to him, what is this that you've done to us not to call us when you went to fight against Midian? And they accused him fiercely. And he said to them, what have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the grapes harvest of Ebiezer? God has given into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. What have I been able to do in comparison with you? And their anger against him subsided when he said this. Now, this chapter, or this paragraph, I do not understand. But we don't have time to get into it. Um, we'll talk about off air. That's okay. I want to be clear about what I'm like. I'm not sure I understand this paragraph. Um, Let me and- teach you, oh, pastor. <laughs> I, we all are learning. We're all learning. <laughs> And Gideon came to Jordan and crossed over he and the 300 men who were with him, exhausted yet pursuing. So he said to the men of Sukkoth, please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted and I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. And the officials of Sukkoth said, are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna already in your hand that we should give bread to your army? So Gideon said, well then. When the Lord has given Zeba and Zalmun into my hand, I will flail your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and briars. And from there he went up to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Sukkoth had answered him. Had answered. And he said to the men of Penuel, When I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmunna were in Karkor with their army, about 15,000 men, and all who were left of the army of the people of the east, for there had fallen 120,000 men who drew the sword. And Gideon went up by the way of the tent dwellers east of Noba and Jogbeha and attacked the army, for the army felt secure. And Zeba and Zalmunna fled, and he pursued them and captured the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and he threw all the army into a panic. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from the battle by the ascent of Heres, of Heres, and he captured a young man of Sukkoth and questioned him. And he wrote down for him the officials and elders of Sukkoth, 77 men. And he came to the men of Sukkoth and said, Behold, Zeba and Zalmunna, about whom you taunted me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna already in your hand, that we should give bread to your men who are exhausted? And he took the elders of the city and he took thorns of the wilderness and briars with them and with them taught the men of Sukkoth a lesson <laughs> like that. And he broke down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. Then he said to Ziva and Zalmunna, where are the men whom you killed at Tabor? They answered, as you are, so were they. Every one of them resembled the son of a king. And he said, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had saved them alive, I would not kill you. So he said to Jether, his firstborn, rise and kill them. But the young man did not draw his sword, for he was afraid, because he was still a young man. Then Ziba and Zalmunna said, rise yourself and fall upon us, for as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and killed Ziba and Zalmunna, and he took the crescent ornaments that were on their, the necks of their camels. So, a lot of fun stuff in there. Um, that we're not going to get into, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, some some. I, I love that the irony. Like, I remember when you said that to me. Oh, good times. Um, <laughs> then verse twenty-two. 
the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your son and your grandson also, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And Gideon said to them, Let me make a request of you. Every one of you give me the earrings from the spoil. For they had gold earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We will willingly give them. And they spread a cloak, and every man threw in the earrings of his spoil. And the weight of the golden earrings that he requested were 1,700 shekels of gold, besides the crescent ornaments and the pendants and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, and besides the collars that were around the necks of their camels. And Gideon made an ephod of it and put it in his city, in Ophrah, and all Israel whored after it there. And it became a snare to Gideon and his family. So Midian was subdued before the people of Israel, and they raised their heads no more. And the land had rest 40 years in the days of Gideon. So much going on in this paragraph. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a big epilogue. <laughs> yeah. This is a denouement. Uh, <laughs> we... But, but what is he like? He starts by doing something right and ends by doing something very wrong. <laughs> but yeah, well, and, and, yeah. and, and before that, I mean, he, he, he's doing something very wrong. I'll, I'll come back and teach you a lesson. And then he teaches them a lesson and then kills people. His own brother mm-hmm. is, is his fellow countrymen. These, these aren't the enemy. These are just mm-hmm. uh, other, other tribes, other clans. And yeah. then, you know, he, he's, he's a, a person out of control, uh, no civility. You know, he's, he's the, the general who tasted power mm. and he's pursuing, I mean, he's still pursuing a, a group that he was not told to pursue by, mm-hmm. by God. Uh, but God in his, uh, keeping of his word preserves Gideon and his, his men so much so that they, um, drive the people even further from the land and also captures the, the, uh, the two Kings there, but then yes, mm-hmm. comes back and, uh, maybe is called to mind <laughs> what he was there to do. And, uh, and that's where we have, have, uh, our anarchist, uh, yeah. call. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, of course, like um, he fails on the religious duty, and that's why his um, and that will eventually lead his people astray. Um, you know, you've already got like Jerubbaal, the son of Joash. I can finish it up. Lived in his own house. Now Gideon had seventy sons and his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son and called his name Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father, at Ophrah of the Abiezrites. As soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned again and whored after the Baals and made a Baal Berit, which is a Baal covenant, their god. Berit is the word for covenant. And made Baal Berit their god. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their god who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. They did not show steadfast love to the family of Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, in return for all the good that he had done to Israel. So, 
ultimately this ephod is a downfall um and will lead to the next cycle um, right but it's interesting that he doesn't accept the kingship like that is so interesting like if we could ask the question at that point is he sinning as as some people have charged that judges is describing a time of anarchy in a negative sense um so is he sinning but not taking the throne should he have accepted rule over Israel? Well, it's hard to see that as, as his flaw. This, this saying, I will not rule over you, but the Lord will rule over you. Once again, pointing back to the thing that I said earlier, that this was not a bug in the system. This was <laughs> the point. This is the feature, not a bug. That Israel were to be a free people under the authority of God, until trouble rose, in which case God would raise up a judge to deliver them from the trouble. And usually that trouble would arise from Israel failing to worship the Lord as king. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It, it also seems, too, that he fails in a personal way. So even if he became a king, or it... it even if you want to say that he sinned at not becoming a king, look at what happened when he was just a judge. Well, he takes the spoils like a king would. He asked for the cloak of his enemies like a king would, some of the spoils. He uh, has a harem of multiple wives. He goes away from his father's house and sets up his own house. Mm -hmm. He, he, makes either this ephod for a uh, purpose of his judgeship or uh, what it will eventually become a, a big old stumbling block in the middle of a city. Um, mm. Even, even the name that he chose for his son is, is, is something like uh, for, uh, the, the son of a king or, or uh, um, mm -hmm. it, it has, has that. Uh, uh, yeah. Son of um, the king. So I mean, this this is this is uh, your your grandfather who who can't stop telling war stories, so much so that he's you know he's going back on it, and and yeah. honestly the 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 best thing that we could point to is he fought a battle in the way that God called him to do, so that only God would get the glory, and he doesn't remove God from the the center of rulership uh as the ultimate king uh, among israel it's too yeah, bad sorry. let me correct that <laughs> avi melech means my father is the king avi yes, thank you my father thank you melech it's a king yeah thank you um yeah and of course he tries to he does actually in in chapter nine try to set himself up as a king and um it does not go well for him <laughs> right so, any last words on this whole cycle of Gideon? Gideon is still preserved uh, as the Lord preserves. And we only know that, like we do Lot, because of Hebrews 11. Yeah. <laughs> uh, same thing with Brock. Uh, you know, the, 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 the listing there shows not a perfect faith but faith directed uh, by God. 
Um, mm. And this is the the last bit of piece recorded in Judges. Uh, mm. uh, you know, maybe not time wise, but um, reading through it. Um, and and sadly, it's an anticlimactic end to a life that could have done could have done more. He he could have been the one to say, "I pulled down the the Asherah pole. I burned, uh, took away the 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 Baal worship and." Now that's where I'm going to take my 300 men and go. But instead, he sets a sedimentary life for him where he rules and causes people to stumble. And Mm. that's the one where it's a call for us to look at and say, uh, we can never rest on the, the, the current faith that we do. It's a trust, but it's always a trust that is in a relational aspect. Mm. It's one that continues to grow with us uh, when we when we get married, when we have children, um, when we um, take on new jobs and adventures and uh, leadings. Um, if we're not doing it back to our original calling, uh, it's where we need to understand that the the ultimate reward isn't the gold, the the purple scarlet scarves the ephod the house the harem it's being able to stand sinless before the holy throne of god who created me and this time and this place and this event where i could have gotten glory and ultimately turn it back to god and and stand before him so that i can hear my father say well done good and faithful servant and that's that's the ultimate goal is to not is to not waste that life of sedimentariness for a, a, a life that uh, misdirects people um, where we can say, Oh, it's not no longer our problem. We, we did our time. Um, it, it's, it's a call not to um, not to take lightly uh, our relationship of mm-hmm. trust of faith of pithos with God. And um you know, again, it's uh, it's living righteously in that faith. The, the, so that yeah. uh, uh, Romans 1, uh, that the righteousness of God is revealed to all men, yeah. even in our lives. Yeah. Any last words? Go to buy me the coffee at... <laughs> Buy me a coffee. Oh, oh. com slash flyover to give us your money so that we too can build an ephod. No, I'm just kidding. We won't do that. Um, we'll build an ephod. No, sir. Nor will we make ourselves king. Um, but we will <laughs> be able to, uh, you know, maybe be a little less poor. Um, <laughs> and also, you get plenty of get of uh, of, of goodies. You get to join Patrick in the chat week by week. You get to join us all in the discord. You get access to these episodes before they come out. And, um, and also, you know, I, I, you get the gratitude of me. So I will say, thank you. Thank the, you. The discord is worth it. The discord is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a place for fun, a place for growth. Uh, you can learn mm-hmm. all sorts of different stuff. Uh, uh, I know so much more, less about bitcoin so much more less i mean that uh than when i even first started 
um, yeah. uh, which was which was very little. And then yeah. uh, um, uh, getting yeah. to interact with Josh and Jeff uh, is is always a blast and always a privilege. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> no, but thank you. Appreciate that. And of course, I appreciate you joining me for this episode to to talk about Gideon and kingship and book of judges and uh and of course i thank you dear viewer and listener for joining us this week to hear this uh episode if you enjoyed it make sure you like it subscribe follow share call up your uh your cousin um who's got a bail altar in his backyard um and, and tell him about it um and uh and of course most importantly Join us next week. We take Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. Grace and peace. Grace and peace.